From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon and happy Friday. Welcome to this edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, the Senior Vice President here at the Family Research Council. Honored to be your Friday host, and we are deeply grateful to have you on board with us today. Coming up on this edition of Washington Watch, we've got a packed program. You may remember former President Trump's Remain in Mexico policy, which was one of several very effective policies that he had to keep our southern border from being flooded with migrants. Well, the Biden administration is reportedly considering a Remain in Texas policy. That might be the Biden administration's response to the cries of blue sanctuary cities like New York City, which have been getting a taste of the crisis at the southern border. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. Now, of course, that was the mayor of New York City. And, you know, the big question is whether or not the Biden administration is hoping to do what they think might contain the border crisis by making all these migrants stay in Texas. I'll be talking here in just a few minutes with Ken Cuccinelli, uh, Cuccinelli who's a former acting deputy secretary of the Department of Homeland Security under President Trump. And speaking of crises... Folks, there's one taking place around the world you probably are not familiar with, and it's being largely ignored, and that is a case, the plight of some 120,000 Armenian Christians who are being starved to death right now because of a blockade. We want to bring you up to speed on that situation, and we'll do so a little bit later in the program. And the battle over parental rights in California continues to rage. In fact, yesterday, the Orange Unified School District became the latest school district in California to revise its parental notification policy. Minor children do not have privacy rights from their, from their parents. The bigger ethical issue is teaching children to lie to their parents. And no, just because children don't feel comfortable talking to their parents does not mean that they are bad parents. Well, that was one of the members of the board, Trustee Madison Minor, and she'll be joining me a little bit later in the program. And I'll also speak with the board president of the school district that started this whole wave that we're seeing now in California on behalf of parents. Her district has been going head to head with the administration of Governor Gavin Newsom, which claims that her district is one that is hurting children. If they want to violate the law and uh, do everything in their power to hurt children, uh, that's on them. Uh, but we will be there to stop them, to protect children, to enforce the law, to make sure that the civil rights and constitutional rights of Californians are protected. Yeah, they're going to be there to help children. Well, that was California Attorney General uh, Rob Bonta. And trust me, folks, we're going to set the record straight on that here in just a little while. And speaking of parental rights, the morally bankrupt Southern Poverty Law Center has been targeting parent groups like Moms for Liberty, and they've been making all sorts of false claims against them. And I'll be joined by the co-founder of Moms for Liberty and hear about what her group is doing to push back. So as usual, we've got a packed program lined up for you today. And as a reminder, as always, our website is TonyPerkins.com in case you miss any portion of today's show or if you want to check out some past shows. And also keep in mind that there's tons of great resources there available for you as well. So be sure to visit the website TonyPerkins.com. All right, let's jump into our first topic for the evening. In the absence of an effective federal response to the disastrous situation at the southern border, the state of Texas has taken it upon itself to do what it can do to slow down and manage the flood of migrants who have been crossing into the United States through their border with Mexico. Well, friends, this may be hard to believe, but the Biden administration is literally considering taking action for migrants to remain 
not in Mexico, like President Trump had done, but for migrants to remain in Texas. I mean, this sounds like something you might read from Babylon B. Uh, can they really do that? Well, with me now to discuss this and more is Ken Cuccinelli. He's a senior fellow at the Center for Renewing America and the former acting deputy secretary of the Department of Homeland Security under President Trump. Ken, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to see you. Good to be with you, Jody. Well, listen, I, you know, first question, uh, can, can they do this? Uh, what are you hearing this possible move by the administration? Is this for real? Uh, well, the reporter who got it was always talented at getting inside information when I was leading parts of the Department of Homeland Security. Um, and he obviously still has his sources. So I definitely think they intend to do this. Although this one is so obviously outrageous that simply publicizing it may defeat it. We shall see. If not, and they proceed, and by the way, Jody, you'll recall, they may come out and deny it, but they denied they were trying to ban gas stoves too, and they proceeded to do that. Um, but uh, if they try to do it and implement it, Texas will be in a very good legal position to confront the federal government uh, on this latest insanity related to their means of opening the border. And as you noted, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, has finally, after two years, begun repelling people coming into Texas. Uh, they won a, a legal victory today on that subject. Um, and it was against the federal government that's trying to stop Texas from protecting its international border, even while the same Biden administration is trying to contain migrant families within Texas. So a remain in Texas program. And I liked how you introduced that. It sounds like something that would be a headline in the Babylon Bee. And of course, if you follow the Babylon Bee, they're a satire site for those who don't know. It's amazing how often their lunatic headlines become true, um, but with the help of liberal crazy Democrats. Yeah, you are so right about that. I, uh, you can go back and just see how accurate the absurdity has actually turned out to be reality. So you're saying that that this uh, the the Biden administration can do this. Now, whether or not they will would be, a, yeah. I think, a huge political risk. Uh, and Texas has been doing a lot, as you, you described. I mean, they've they've not only been uh, getting no help, though, from this administration, they've actually been getting a lot of grief and a Correct. lot of pushback. So uh, what's your take on the efforts of uh, Governor Abbott in Texas in, in their attempts to protect not only their state, but the entire country? Well, the, yeah, in, in his efforts to protect Texas, he ends up protecting us all. Uh, well, honestly, at the Center for Renewing America, we were really pushing hard for two, more than two years for Governor Abbott to start repelling invaders across that southern border, and he refused to do it. He ran what he called Operation Lone Star, literally spent billions of dollars of Texas money without any effect on the flow of illegals into Texas or the United States until the finally this May, when the Biden administration said they were going to remove the Title 42 public health order on the international border, which made it easy to turn illegals back um, without having to go through immigration due process. Well, Texas has the authority as a border state under Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution to repel invaders on its own. And they simply declined to do that until this May. And they're still getting better at it. They're learning how to do it. But they started putting up the barbed wire. You all have seen that. They've put up the buoy wall in one part of the border. Um, you know, and there's a picture of the buoy wall um, that was the subject of litigation, including a court order today. The Fifth Circuit said that buoy wall can stay today um, and thus making it harder for illegals to cross at that high traffic area. So Texas is now taking some real affirmative steps to keep people from ever getting into the country in the first place. 
And once you're doing that reliably, Jody, then you will actually see a drop in the number of attempted crossings. That's the kind of deterrence that's peace through strength at the border. You stop people from coming in, guess what? When they don't think they can get in, they stop coming. And But only Texas is doing that right now. We will undoubtedly see shifts by the cartels because they control the traffic to other parts of the border, the New Mexico, Arizona, and Florida borders. Nonetheless, that will, to some degree, reduce the flow of illegals into this country. So uh, for all the money Texas spent up to now, now they're really having an effect. Yeah, absolutely, and good for them for taking that initiative. And I, I know you've been all over the, the southern border. You've seen it firsthand. I've seen it firsthand. I've been to every uh, one of the nine sectors and uh, from every perspective have, lo have looked at this thing. It is astonishing to me, Ken, how this administration, the Biden administration, seems to think that they're managing the border situation well. Uh I mean, come on, give me an assessment. Having been there yourself, having been in this role, give an assessment of their handling of the border. So it's important to understand that what you and I see at the border and we recognize as an insecure border and a disaster is their intended policy. This is not a mistake. This is an administration where the radical left the Marxist left has the wheel of the Biden administration. Um, to give you an example, Jody, Democrat voters, forget independents and Republicans, Democrat voters have disapproved of Joe Biden's immigration policies for over two years. Joe Biden has been underwater with Democrat voters who disapprove of this open border since about March of 2021, literally only two months after he was sworn in as president. So not even ordinary Democrats that live in your neighborhood and mine support these policies. Yet this is the intention. This is what they want. They want millions of people to come in. The plan is to give them amnesty so they will be grateful and can vote for more Democrats of like mind. And so you can see where that would go taking America farther and farther to the left. And this was in the election bill, H.R. 1. You remember H.R. 1, yep. Jody? And oh, yeah, in I was that heavily bill, involved in that, yeah. Yes, I know. And in that bill, they had language that ordered states to dump all adults, not citizens, adults, in their state databases, including, for example, legal and illegal aliens who get driver's licenses onto the voter rolls and... They decriminalized those people voting in federal elections. So technically, it's illegal for a non-citizen to vote in a federal election, but they eliminated the penalty. Why do you suppose they did that? So that these millions of people could flood the polls and turn elections in grateful favor to those who gave them amnesty. Absolutely. You know, and it just looks like, and we've got to leave it here, but it looks like the Department of Homeland Security is, they have their eye off the ball. They're more focused on things like LGBTQ than uh, yes. they are with what their job should be. Ken Cuccinelli, always great seeing you. Thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Good, good to see you too, Jody. Have a great weekend. You too. All right, folks, 120,000 Armenian Christians are being starved to death right now by a blockade. We want you to stay informed as to what's going on, and we'll cover that right after the break. So don't go away. We'll be back in a moment. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. 
Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be disciples their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to have you with us this afternoon. All right, you know, it may be a sign of the times, but there are a number of persecuted Christians in our troubled world, and those numbers just continue to multiply exponentially. And as a result, I mean, we just continue praying for our brothers and sisters in places like Nigeria, uh, millions in Africa, those in China, North Korea, in the Middle East, and uh, believers who are scattered abroad, literally in dozens of other lands. But right now, we want to highlight for you the plight of some 120,000 Armenian Christians who are being starved to death as we speak. And with me to raise awareness of this situation, which can best be described as simply a genocide, is Robert Nicholson. He's the president and executive director of the Philos Project. Robert, welcome to Washington Watch. It's an honor to have you. Thank you, Mr. Congressman. Well, listen, let's begin. This is probably one of those topics that most of our listeners are not a great, I don't know a great deal about. Let's begin with where this region is and what we're talking about in general. That's a, a great place to start. Most people don't know. This is a Armenia is a uh, small country, a landlocked country between Turkey, Azerbaijan, Iran, and Georgia and Russia. Not the best uh, neighborhood in the world. This is a majority Christian country, a completely Christian country, surrounded on three sides by majority Muslim countries. Armenians, if listeners uh, don't know, were the first nation to convert as a whole en masse to Christianity in 301. This is before the Roman Empire became Christian. And that land is much smaller than the Armenians' homeland, which used to cover most of what's now Turkey. But it's what's left after a pretty horrific genocide that happened against the Armenian Christians just about 100 years ago. So what's going on now? Why are the Christians there now in such a dire situation? We have two allies in the region on either side of Armenia, Turkey and Azerbaijan. And these two allies are Turkic countries, majority Muslim countries, who for a long time have had tense relations with the Armenian Christians between them. The Turks were, in fact, the perpetrators of the genocide. 
And these days, Azerbaijan is claiming that the Armenians uh, are not rightfully uh, living in their homeland. They should be part of Azerbaijan, a disputed area between these two countries called Nagorno-Karabakh, they believe is rightfully theirs. And they are surrounding and systematically trying to squeeze these Christians out of that land now for nine months, a nine-month blockade, no food, no medicine, energy supplies have been cut off. And we're calling on our government and Christians who care about these things to push for a removal of that blockade and the delivering of aid to the Christians in need. Yeah, so let's speak to that further. What needs to happen right now? What specifically are you calling on our federal government to do? And what can we do to help create some momentum, some movement here? Well, one of the most important things that we're calling on is Christian leaders. And uh, I'm talking now about national leaders, about local leaders, pastors, people working in the secular sphere, to be talking to their elected officials about this situation and asking them to pressure the Biden administration to do something about it. The Biden administration has talked a good talk. They have not walked much of a walk. And what's really needed is President Biden and our State Department to call the dictator of Azerbaijan and tell him that enough is enough. And unfortunately, uh, while the Democrats have been quite good on this issue, the Republicans have actually been uh, missing in action for the most part. And Christian leaders, largely because they don't know the issues, they haven't heard about the situation, have not been speaking out. And I think that's really the missing piece. Christian leaders need to speak out and ask, demand our government to do something about it. Yeah, you bring up a great point that so many people don't know about this situation. Why is it, do you think, Robert, that there has been so little media coverage about this? Is there a yeah, is is there something behind the scenes that the media just does not want to cover something in, that involves Christians? Or what is the, the reason? I mean, 120,000 people being starved to death is big news. Why is big it not news. getting coverage? There are a couple of things. One, you mentioned there is some reluctance, describe it however you will, to cover persecuted Christians. I've seen this now in this work for years. Another part of it is uh, the Azeri and Turkish lobby which has bought off a lot of the, the media, some of the government. Uh, part of it also is just the mood of America right now. We are not, as a people, Democrat or Republican, in much of a mood to do more abroad. There is a huge debate right now about Ukraine and whether we're doing the right thing there vis-a-vis -vis Russia. And the idea that we should care about, do something about a small country that we haven't heard that much about, strikes a lot of people as a, just a bit too much. Now, what they don't know, and this is maybe the most important point, is that the first, biggest, most successful international religious freedom effort that was ever done in the United States was led by Christians and was directed towards specifically Armenians. During that period, during that period of genocide, it was the American Christian community from top to bottom every denomination that rallied behind a couple of NGOs to provide aid. They raised the equivalent of a billion dollars in today's money, helped a million refugees, saved 132,000 orphans whose parents had been killed in the genocide. And I've met the descendants of those people living today. We've done this before. We've forgotten about it. It's just a matter of remembering our connection with this ancient Christian community and remembering that we have the wherewithal to do something about it. Robert Nicholson with the Philos Project, thank you so much for your work and for keeping us informed of what's going on there with the Armenian Christians. Thank you for joining us on Washington thank Watch. You. Thanks so much. All right, friends, listen, we're gonna call many of you, most of you are probably gonna be in a church, a place of worship this weekend. This will be a great issue to make a matter of prayer for other believers around the world. All right, coming up, one of the co-founders of Moms for Liberty will join me about how they have been targeted by the Southern Poverty Law Center. 
and what they're doing to push back. Stick around. We'll be right back. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, your host, and an honor to have you on board with us on this Friday edition. All right, the 2023-24 school year has begun, as we all know, and right along with it, the radical agendas of the left continue to infiltrate our schools and challenge parental rights and a host of other things. And, of course, the Family Research Council is on the front line of these and so many other issues, but we're fighting to empower parents and at the same time to protect our kids. But we need your help. And so I'm going to ask if you would take just a real quick moment and take our Protect Students survey and share your thoughts on how you believe the LGBT ideology is impacting our schools and impacting our children as well as parents and across the board. Uh, And we want to help policymakers as well as parents push back. We want to give some uh, effective tools to do so. And so this survey is going to help us uh, kind of fine tune that method. So to take the survey, uh, just simply text the word survey to 67742. Survey, S-U-R-V-E-Y to 67742. Or you can visit our website, frc.org slash student survey. All right. After the COVID-19 pandemic uh, prompted many schools to switch to remote learning and mandatory masking and all that sort of stuff, parents with children in public education uh, were able to witness in person just how short-sighted and destructive those policies were and how they were hurting children. And out of that came movements like Moms for Liberty. They came about in 2021. And that organization, Moms for Liberty, has expanded to include hundreds of chapters across almost every state across the country. And that growth, quite frankly, has been upset by the morally bankrupt Southern Poverty Law Center, which targeted this group uh, in its annual Year in Hate and Extremist report that came out this past June. Well, I think we all know that the probably the most uh, dangerous thing anyone can do is upset a mama bear or mess with a mama bear. Uh, And hopefully that's a lesson that the SPLC is about to learn. But joining me now to discuss this is Tiffany Justice. She's a former school board member and the co-founder of Moms for Liberty. Tiffany, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to have you. Thank you for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Well, it's our honor in every way. You know, I should note that the SPLC has had a long um, 
shaky, we'll put it that way, uh, relationship with the Family Research Council. We've been on their hate list along with a lot of other respected conservative groups for a long, long time. So you're in good company, but I know it's upsetting. We've all been through this. So I want to give you an opportunity to set the record straight. Uh, so let's begin with just your response to the claims that have been made by the SPLC in their report as it relates to Moms for Liberty. It's just absurd. It was shocking to see uh, the anti-government extremist designation put on us. Uh, you know, I, I've shared, I called my daughter uh, to let her know uh, that it had been uh, done because I wanted to, her to, to make her aware of it. I know the Family Research Council has uh, been, you know, hurt by the designation in, in many ways and, and had, um, you know, this incited someone to, to action in a way that was very scary. And so when I called her and told her, she looked it up online and she said, Mom, uh, they put you next to the United Skinhead Nation. And so that's just the level of ridiculousness. The idea that Moms for Liberty is an anti-government uh, extremist organization is ridiculous. As I said, um, we endorsed in over 500 school board races in 2022 and helped get 275 people elected to office. 76% um, of those people had never run for office before. And so um, it's, a, it's a whole new group of people running and serving an elected office. And I can't think of anything really that America needs more than that right now. So um, it's upsetting, though. There is no doubt. It is, and there's no doubt that this has an impact on Moms for Liberty. It has a, has a negative impact, and I'm sure you've experienced that to some extent across the, the various chapters of the states where you're represented. We have. I mean, there's no doubt. Any article that's written about us, the designation is mentioned normally in the first few paragraphs. That's intentional. The SPLC has has done this in order to try to damage our organization, as they have done to many other organizations. And it's concerning. There is absolutely no doubt about it. It's also put a target on the back of every American mom and dad. Uh, and, and it's one more step, I think, to try to chill speech. You know, we saw the Biden administration working with the NSBA and the Department of Justice to weaponize the federal government, the premier law enforcement agency, the FBI against parents, naming parents domestic terrorists for speaking out at school board meetings. Um, I had the opportunity to, to testify in front of the Constitution and Limited Government Subcommittee uh, because one of our moms was contacted by an FBI field office. These are things that Americans would never think uh, would happen here in the United States. Absolutely. All right, Tiffany, listen, we've only got about a minute. So real quickly, you're pushing back. Tell us what you're doing to push back against SPLC. Well, we're pushing back by continuing to be joyful warriors around the country, continuing to look for good candidates to run for school boards, endorse those candidates. Our chapters are involved in their communities. They're unifying, educating, and empowering parents to defend their parental rights at all levels of government. Um, you go to momsforliberty.org and check us out. There's a big map there. You can click on the map uh, to start a chapter, chapter or to find a chapter near you. You're correct. We have uh, 300 chapters now in 47 states. We just added Idaho with over over 130,000 members, and we're exploring legal action uh, because we believe that the SBLC should be held accountable as, as the, you know, the, the, an organization that is trying to hurt uh, the American people. Absolutely. Well, we will be keeping a pulse on it, Tiffany, and know that you've got friends here at FRC. Tiffany Justice, Moms for Liberty, thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Thank you so much, sir. All right, friends, coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about the ongoing battle over parental rights in California. There's a lot to report on there, so stick around. You don't want to miss it. We'll be back right after the break. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org. 
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742 and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. FRC, celebrating 40 years with Senator Ted Budd. I just want to thank you for what you all do each and every day. Um, uh, you're digging deep on these issues. Um, you really help articulate things that, uh, that help us with policy here um, and help us communicate to the folks back home that send us to Washington. So thanks for the fight that you're in, and we're in it with you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Senator Ted Budd from North Carolina. We appreciate those kind words. And listen, friends, we're less than a week away from this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit in Washington, D.C. We would love to have you come join us September 15th through 17th. And listen, we've been in this battle a long time, standing for faith, family, and freedom. And this is, of course, our 40th year anniversary. But now is the time for all of us to engage together. Our country, there's so much at stake. So we're going to be working together and talking, discussing how we can unite forces to have a huge impact. You can register right now or find out more information at prayvotestand.org, prayvotestand.org, and we encourage you to do so. All right, the battle over parental rights in California. That battle continues to rage. And yesterday, the Orange Uni uh, Unified School District became the latest school district in California to revise its notification policy in order to support the fundamental rights of parents so that they be informed of, so that they be involved in important aspects of their child's education. But that's an idea that the left finds destructive or discriminatory. They even refer to it as dangerous. Simply letting parents be informed and involved is dangerous. But it's really the complete opposite of those types of things. Here to talk with me further about this is a member of the Orange Unified School District's Board of Education, Madison Minor. Trustee Miner, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it's our, our privilege to have you. All right, let's first talk about uh, the, the revised policy. Uh, walk us through that. So we had our first reading of this policy last month, and one of our trustees, uh, Ms. Rumsey, had a couple of uh, issues with the policy. She did not like that it was the teacher's responsibility, according to the former policy, to uh, discuss with families and with parents um, 
if their child maybe had an action that they wanted to take for, with their gender mis dysmorphia. And so she wanted that to be the administrator's duty. And there was also the timeline. It was three days listed in our uh, former policy, and she wanted it to be a little bit longer. We do have a lot of working parents in our school district. And so out of respect for those working parents and also the fact that it's hard to schedule, um, with uh, parents sometimes, even when it comes to something important, uh, when it comes to their child's education, uh, we wanted to be respectful of that. So we extended the timeline to five days, uh, giving the uh, administrator five days to contact the families and have that discussion with them. And um, and then we increased the, the, my headphone dropped, sorry. And then we increased the, um, or we changed it from being the teacher that contacts the administrator or that contacts the parents, sorry, to the administrator that contacts the families. Well, yeah, I think it's important to know that the, the policy does have some exceptions. If a child's life is certainly in danger, that's one thing. But you would get the impression, an average person would, uh, that the state of California thinks that parents in general are dangerous. They've made it sound as though there's an epidemic of parents out there who are just waiting on bated breath to harm their children. What, why this attitude from the state of California? Uh, you know, I don't understand. I don't understand why there's been such a shift in uh, parental rights being uh, stripped away. I don't understand why our 14th Amendment is being um, kind of mocked and stepped on in California. But uh, I'm so grateful that this policy passed because uh, it is our fundamental right as parents to be notified. I mean, it's a simple notification of change, right? It's not, it's not um, stopping that child from making that change. It's just asking the families to be involved and to come alongside their student and love them through this situation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, th I think really the a, a bigger concern ought to be that these schools um, really are teaching the children how to lie to their parents. I mean, that ought to be a, a big concern. And thank goodness for policy reversal uh, and your uh, courage to be a part of that. And look, there's no doubt there's a lot of great teachers out there. We all know that. A lot of great teachers, counselors, all this type of things uh, who really care about students, but none of them care about these students and children like the parents do. Uh, they just simply can't. And so for you to stand in the gap for parents is, is huge. All right, you've had a lot of emails. Last question. Uh, no doubt you've had a lot of emails and uh, communications over the last couple of weeks about this policy. Uh, and there was a public comment yesterday. Uh, from what you've heard, what points really stood out? You know, I listened to both sides. I, I listened for the, there were 122 uh, speakers that spoke about our item 7A, which was our, our parent notification policy. And hearing both sides and hearing the for and against statements, um, I empathize with both sides. I, I just stand firmly and I believe that this is an important issue and um, making sure that, you know, these families are heard is so important. Um, making sure, first and foremost, that our children are protected because, um, you know, according to statistics, it's 82% chance that a child that has some sort of a gender dysmorphia where they're uncomfortable in their, um, the gender that they were assigned at birth, uh, that they have an 82% suicidality rate. If that's the case, then these students need to be protected. And, you know, the counselor and the teacher and the administrator, as much as they, um, you know, love All right, thank you, Trustee Madison Minor. You froze up. We lost you there, but thank you for coming on the program with us on Washington Watch. I, I do want to continue our focus on California, and I want to go now to the first school district in the state of California to revise its parental notification policy, and that is the Chino Valley Unified School District. And because they were the first, uh, they were the first district, they have drawn a lot of fire from the opposition, including California Attorney General 
Rob Bonta, who literally filed a lawsuit against the school district. Well, this week, a San Bernardino County Superior Judge granted the Newsom administration's request to temporarily block the policy from taking effect. But the fight is not over. And joining me now to talk about this is Sonia Shaw. She's the president of the School District's Board of Education. Sonia, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you again. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, the fight's not All over. Right, that is absolutely right. Yeah, it's not over. And you actually, you and your, your board started this whole thing in California. It's got to be satisfying to see this movement growing, isn't it? It's absolutely satisfying, but it's encouraging, and it's it's just so encouraging to see all the other bold and courageous school board members being supported by the communities that they serve in, saying, hey, we want you to stand up. We know that they've thrown bullying tactics and ploys all over Chino Valley, but we want you to stand strong and do the right thing, and to see them do that, absolutely a huge blessing. It really is. And, you know, again, it just reminds me the impact, the rippling effect that takes place when someone stands and stands for the right thing and, and sticks their neck out on the line, so to speak. And so to you again and all of your board, thank you for doing so. The uh, California Attorney General has made a lot of claims regarding the policy that you all have put forth. And I have a couple of those comments that I want to play for you and then allow you to set the record straight. So let's begin with a comment made earlier this week. Play clip number three, please. If they want to violate the law and uh, do everything in their power to hurt children, uh, that's on them. Uh, but we will be there to stop them, to protect children, to enforce the law, to make sure that the civil rights and constitutional rights of Californians are protected. <laughs> All right, your reaction. You ready? Okay. My reaction is, I, I'm literally, he's giving us gifts on a platter. He's talking about constitutional rights, yet stripping parents' constitutional right in the upbringing of their child. When he's talking about privacy laws and guidelines, he's citing new law. Those new laws will have to go through the process, and he's trying to make them new law by just dictating it. We all know that the privacy laws put in place for children— I'm a soccer mom, and I could tell you, I don't study law, but I know enough to read and read read exactly what it says. It says that that children are protected with their privacy from third party and government officials like him. So for me, him to use it against parents is absolutely disturbing, but I think it's a gift to show everybody we don't need these kinds of people in office because they're trying to break up the family unit. He makes it very clear. So I think he's, I'm actually embarrassed for him that he is trying to make new law the law. It's, it's like, come on, dude, you, you, you're supposed to uphold the law. You're letting criminals walk free, but yet you're now trying to cite new law and harass and bully parents. Absolutely disturbing that we're in this. It really is. And I, I love your attitude with this. And I, you know, that's, that's what you mean when you say this battle's not over. Uh, it's still got oh, no. a long ways to go. I, I want to play another clip and get your reaction. I actually made a little bit of reference to this a little bit earlier. But here's what the AG said last month when he announced the lawsuit against your school district. Play clip four, please. This policy is destructive. It's discriminatory. And it's downright dangerous. It has no place in California which is why we have moved in court to strike it down. Unreal. Those are three are strong right? words used. Your reaction. He's downright dangerous to families, to students. He's destructive. And he has no place in California and his time's limited. He just gave us another gift. We now know what he's about. He's trying to destroy the families. He's trying to tell parents, I get to choose because I'm the dictator of what your child, what, we, what we're able to tell you about your child. And right there and then, I'm sorry, Bonta, your time's limited and it's almost up. Yeah, you know, I, when, it, when he says words like your policy, which is, again, just a policy to inform parents. I mean, Absolutely. how dangerous, discriminatory, uh, destructive, unbelievable that this type of attitude would even exist, let alone that it would come out in public and 
and be directed towards you. Okay, Sonia, I know our, our time, we've got about three minutes left. Uh, what's ahead? You said the battle's not over. Uh, what's ahead for this? And how can we, our viewers and listeners, uh, how can we be supportive in prayer and otherwise as you go forward? So what's next? What's next? The battle's just begun. We know we're not going to win these little small things in California. The judge himself said he didn't even read the judgment, yet he made a judgment. That's embarrassing, too, but it shows you where we're at. I would tell everybody the line has been drawn. Stick with it. Stay strong. Be bold and courageous. Do not give up on these little defeats. These are actually gifts to bring more soldiers to the battle. So I would say here, we're going to stick up for our kids. They're going to learn the biggest lesson of their lives. We're talking about education and families. Right now, we're going to show them that you do not give up, regardless of the bowling tactics, and you are worth the fight. Our children are worth the fight. So right now, keep uniting. Please pray for protection with the death threats and the other things that come along with it. Look, those are daily reminders of the battle that we're in, but they're also daily reminders of how important our children are for the enemy. So I would say stick with it, stay strong, be bold and courageous. Trust me, we're going to win this. I know because God already went before us and he already won this battle. That is great. Yeah, and speaking of prayer, speaking of praying, you are going to be at our Pray, Vote, Stand Summit next week. And we're really Really excited to have you joining us. We're looking forward to that. But, you know, overall, Sonia, we're wanting this event to encourage people, and we're wanting to, at the same time, help equip them to make an impact in their various spheres of influence, just just like what you were talking about. So why is it so important right now, this being the time for people to get engaged in our nation? Right now, I feel as it's the inflection point. We're never going to get this opportunity. Have you ever seen um, government bullies and dictators respond to us like they have right now? Have you ever seen them actually just expose themselves? God is revealing and exposing these people. Right now, we have a chance to keep continuing to link up. Everyone thinks, oh, not me, not me. All God is waiting for is your yes. So if you say yes, he'll give you the way. He definitely calls the unqualified. I am proof for that. Trust me. We need more people to lead alongside us and keep linking arms. I would say, do not be discouraged. God's given you a gift, and now it's time to use it. Well, I tell you, we just absolutely can't wait to have you at the summit. You know, it is a great opportunity for people to see and hear and meet people like you who have stood in the gap and are making a difference just by being courageous to stand for that which is right. So we look forward to it so much. Sonia Shaw, thank you so much for joining us again on Washington Watch. Always great to see you. Thank you. It's an honor. All right, friends, that wraps up our time from this Friday edition of Washington Watch. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Hope you're able to go to church. Encourage people to pray for some of the things we've mentioned today. God bless you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.